love you. I love being here in your church, and I thank you for having me back. In the last service, we talked about two prophets out to lunch. It was Spiritual Deception 101. We're continuing that message, Two Prophets Out to Lunch, Spiritual Deception 102. Uh, it's easy for us to be deceived. Let me show you some examples that advertisers have used to deceive us. We fall for, for false advertising a lot. Let's take a look at these photos. Here we go. Uh, this is a six green Canadian pine Christmas tree. It looks great on the box, doesn't it? But yet when we opened it, this is what we got. Oh, <laughs> little bit of deception going on there. Let's look at the next shot. Oh, okay, this looks good. We've got a panda, an ice cream bar on a stick. Yeah, that looks like every kid's dream. Uh-oh, this is what was really under the wrapping paper. Let's take a look at the next one. Oh, that looks good. Tweety Bird. It's another ice cream frozen treat, but when we opened it, oh, Tweety's not so happy, is he? <laughs> let's, take, let's take a look at the next one. Here we go. Now, this looks like a good pizza. Are you getting hungry yet? It's almost lunchtime. We've got some Canadian bacon and some pineapple, just a tiny bit of oregano spread throughout the pizza, but when we pulled it out of the box, oh, <laughs> a whole lot of oregano and not much pizza. Let's look at the next one. False advertising. Okay, this looks great. We're going to have fun in our backyard, kids, this summer. We've got a hopscotch water slide. But yet, when it was delivered, oh. <laughs> a little bit of false advertising there. Do we have one more, or is that it? Okay, false advertising, we fall for it a lot. It's easy for us to be deceived. And in this morning's continuation message from the first service, we're going to learn two things. We're going to learn how easy it is for us to be deceived. Then we'll also learn how important it is for us to know God's truth and not be moved from it. Now, the main characters in our story are uh, Wicked King Jeroboam. Wicked King Jeroboam is from the Old Testament. He is so up idol worship in the city of Bethel, and he had spread idol worship throughout Israel. The next main character in our story is Timog. Scripture just calls him the man of God, so we're calling him Timog. Scripture doesn't give us his real name. He's a prophet from Judah that God has raised up and brought over to Bethel to speak out against King Jeroboam and the idol worship that he has spread throughout Israel. There's another character in our story, and he's the old prophet of God, so we're going to call him Opog. <laughs> Again, Scripture doesn't give us his real name. It just says he's an old prophet of God. So we have wicked King Jeroboam, we have Timog, the man of God, and we have Opog, old prophet of God. Now let's just do a quick recap by going back to scripture, okay? Again, this is an obscure little story that's nestled inside of 1 Kings 13, just kind of tucked in there. You would almost overlook it uh, if you're not careful, just a short bizarre little story. Here we go at the first verse. By the word of the Lord, a man of God, that's Timog, came from Judah to Bethel as King Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar, 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 this is what the Lord says, a man named Josiah will be born to the house of David. He's actually prophesying about something that will happen 350 years in the future. A godly young king named Josiah would be raised up and he would crush idol worship in this area. Let's keep reading. On you, altar, he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you, altar. That same day, Timog, the man of God, gave a sign. This will be the sign that the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. King Jeroboam was very angry with Timog, the man of God, for saying this. So he shouted at his guards, arrest that man, and he shook his fist at him. Instantly, the king's arm became paralyzed in that position. He couldn't pull it back. At the same moment, a wide crack appeared in the altar. The ashes poured out just as Timog, the man of God, said that it would happen. For this was the prophet's proof that God had been speaking through him. Oh, please, please, the king cried out to the prophet, beg the Lord your God to restore my arm again. Notice King Jeroboam isn't praying to God. I'm sorry, would you restore my arm? He's 
not repentant. He's not sorry. He has no connection with God. He's not praying to God. He's asking the prophet, the man of God, Timog, you pray to your God. I want my arm restored again. I don't, I'm not connected with him, and I don't care to be connected with him. But you pray to him. I want my arm back. So... Timog prayed to the Lord, and the king's arm became normal again. Then King Jeroboam said to the prophet, Hey, come to the palace with me, okay, and rest a while. Have some food. I'll give you a reward because you healed my arm. But Timog answered the king, Even if you were to give me half of your possessions, I wouldn't go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. Why not? Well, because I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat any bread or drink water or even return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. Okay, that's the beginning of our story. Timog is weary from his journey. He's thirsty and he's hungry, but he refuses the king's offer. He refused to go with the king. It's a test, but he's passing with flying colors, isn't he? Satan hates it when you obey God. And he's not going to sit by and just allow you to waltz into heaven without any opposition. He's going to do everything he can to stop you on your journey through life as you follow the Lord. And we mentioned in the last service that entire ministries, church bodies have imploded or collapsed because maybe one person in leadership or a good person in the church, just they were distracted by Satan, maybe they crossed a moral line or whatever, and Satan had their number and he knew what it would take to take them off of the path of God. You see, Satan is keenly aware of your weaknesses and he'll do everything in his power to trip you up. Satan is extremely powerful, but he's not all powerful. He's not omnipotent, all-powerful like God is. And he, he, he doesn't know everything. He knows a lot, but he doesn't know everything like our God is. But he is strong, and he is powerful. And he's very subtle, and he's devious. And he's called the father of lies. And when he appears, he doesn't appear as somebody in a red suit with horns sticking out of their head. He appears as suave and handsome. He appears trustworthy and articulate and uh, uh, smooth talking. That's how Satan appears. Look, let's keep on with scripture, okay? Now, there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel. Again, we don't, we're not given his name, so we're calling Opog, old prophet of God. There's a certain old prophet living in Bethel, and he found Timog sitting under an oak tree and asked, are you the man of God who came from Judah? You see, word has gotten out. The king's arm, it was paralyzed, and then this guy, Timog, the prophet from Judah, he healed it, and the ashes, I mean, the altar was cracked, and then ashes started pouring out. He's heard of God working in Bethel, and that's just foreign. God didn't work in Bethel, because Bethel was a city that was full of satanic influence. The idols, the golden calves, I mean, God didn't work in Bethel. And so this old prophet has not seen a work of God for decades. He hears about it. Word is out. It's on Facebook. It's all over the place. Social media has picked it up. And so he's searching. Hey, where is he? Where is he? And he finds him sitting under an oak tree. So are you him? Are you the guy? Are you, the, are you Timog, the man of God who came and did this? Yes, Scripture says. I am. I am he. Then the old man, Opog, old prophet of God, said to Timog, come home with me and eat. No. No, Timog replied, I can't, for I am not allowed to eat anything or to drink any water at Bethel. You see, he's, he's right on the outskirts of Bethel, just barely outside of Bethel. The Lord strictly warned me against it, and he told me not to return home by the same road that I came on. Scripture says he's sitting under an old oak tree, but the term sitting means much more than just relaxing against the back of a tree. The term in this context, in the original language of which the Bible has, uh, was written, says sitting really means he's constructed a temporary shelter for himself. So maybe he's been there a few months. Yes, he's been eating and drinking right outside the city limits of Bethel. God told me not to eat and drink in Bethel. So I'm barely on the outsides of, I'm barely on the outskirts. He's resting too long, and he's resting in the wrong place, as we mentioned in the first service. No, I can't do that. I have to leave, go on a different road than I came. But Opog said to him, hey, I'm a prophet too, just as you are. 
And an angel gave me a message from the Lord. I'm to take you home with me and give you food and water. Look at what scripture says. But the old man was lying to him. So they went back together and the prophet ate some food and drank some water at Opog's home. Now Timog, the man of God, knew what was right, but he wasn't doing it. You too probably know what's right. Are you doing it? We can know God's will without living inside of his will. And it's a dangerous place for a Christian to be. To know God's will and yet not live inside of God's will is a dangerous place for a Christian to be. There's no indication here in scripture that Opog, the old prophet of God, wanted to harm Timog, the man of God. He just wanted his company for a while. Again, there are no godly people in Bethel. It's been a long time since anything spiritual has ever happened in Bethel. So could it be that Opog just yearned for something from the past? Maybe he's just really spiritually hungry and he's heard about what's happened. He just wants the company of another person who is a Christian. So uh, there's, there's no intention here that, hey, I'm out to harm you. I'm out to get you. I'm out to pull you down. I mean, his reasons were probably good. I want to be with a godly person. I want to be with somebody who's really connected as I once was with God Almighty. But even though the reasons are good, the method is absolutely wrong because he used lies and manipulation to draw Timog off of the path of God's perfect will. Oh, what about Timog, the man of God? I mean, shouldn't he have been able to see what was happening? I mean, why did he follow the old prophet when he already had God's instructions? He already knows what he should be doing. You see, Timog heard from God himself. Opog has simply heard from an angel. Which is better, hearing from God or hearing from an angel? And we know where many angels came from. Many angels fell from heaven. So it may not even be a godly angel that Opog has heard from. It may be a demon. It may be a satanic angel that has fallen from heaven. So far in the story, these are the things that we're, that we're thinking about. But maybe Timog is thinking, well, this guy is a prophet of God. I mean, he said he is. He said, I'm a prophet like you. He's older than me. Maybe I should put you know, some confidence in his maturity. Maybe God has changed his mind. I mean, hey, hey maybe God's leading me in a different direction for a while. What could be so? wrong about hearing what my fellow prophet has to say. Well, the Apostle Paul, many years later, would write these sobering words to the church. Let's look at it. Galatians 1, 6 to 8. I am amazed, or I am shocked, that you are turning away so soon from God, who in his love and his mercy invited you to share the eternal life he gives through Christ. You are already following a different way to heaven, which really doesn't go to heaven at all. For there is no other way than the one we showed you. You are being fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curses fall on anyone, including myself, who preaches any other way to be saved than the one we told you about. Yes, if an angel comes from heaven and preaches any other message, let him be forever cursed. Wow. Just because something we hear sounds like the truth doesn't mean that it is. Satan always uses a little bit of truth sprinkled inside his pack of lies. Now, Timog, the man of God, falls into the trap and he goes home with Opog, the old prophet of God. Well, what happened? They had a great visit. 
They enjoyed being together for a time, but then God came on the scene and everything changed. Let's go to scripture to find out what happened. Then suddenly, while they were sitting at the table, a message from the Lord came to Opog and he shouted at Timog. Okay, now God is going to give a true message from himself to the old prophet of God who's no longer living in God's anointing. He's no longer living in the center of God's will, yet God is going to give him a true message to give to Timog. Yes, God sometimes speaks through those who are not living in his will. I mean, God can speak through anyone or anything. He can speak through this music stand. He can speak through the carpet. He can speak through somebody out on the street who doesn't even know him or has heard the name of Jesus or has even been in the church. God can speak through anyone. And just because God speaks through someone does not mean that that person is living in the center of God's will. Now God is going to speak through a spiritually deteriorated, dried up old prophet who has lost his anointing and is not living in God's will any longer. Here's the message. The Lord says, this is Opog talking, the old prophet of God. The Lord says that because you, Timog, have been disobedient to his clear command and have come here with me and have eaten and drunk water in the place he told you not to, your body shall not be buried in the grave of your fathers. In other words, you're not going home. You are not going to make it home. After finishing the meal, Opog saddled Timog's donkey, and Timog started off again. But as he was traveling along, a lion came out and killed him. His body lay there on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Those who came by and saw Timog's body lying in the road and the lion standing there quietly beside it reported it to Bethel where Opog lived. What? Isn't this a bizarre story? Aren't you kind of scratching your head going, what? What's happening here? Uh, what a bizarre... God followed through on the consequences that he promised. You see, God has never made an empty threat. Now, there are times in Scripture where he ch has changed his mind. But in each of those cases... Either intercession was involved or, or repentance was involved. And both of those, intercession and repentance, are a part of his plan in dealing with mankind. Let's look at those quickly. Intercession, Exodus 32, 14. You remember the scene. Moses had gone up to the mountain, uh, and the, the people uh, that he had rescued from the Pharaoh, uh, they were down on the ground waiting. When is he coming down? It was taking too much time. Hurry up, hurry up. They got bored. So they created golden calves for themselves to worship. While Moses is on top of the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord, God lets him know, your people have turned away from me. They're down there worshiping an idol. They're down there worshiping a golden calf. What? Yes, that's true, Moses. They're down there. And I am so angry. I'm so angry at these people. I'm going to kill them. Moses begins to intercede for them. Oh, please, Lord, please, please don't kill them. We are a wicked people. We're stupid. We make dumb choices. And sometimes we turn our backs on what we know is right. Please, please don't kill them. He begins to intercede for them. And because he interceded, God changed his mind and he didn't destroy them at that time. Now let's look at the other time when God changed his mind. It's Jonah chapter 3 uh, verse 10. As you know, Jonah was called by God, he's a prophet, called by God to go speak to the Ninevites, the people of Nineveh. And, and Jonah said, no, I don't want to go there. And you know the story, swallowed by a big fish and all that stuff. Well, finally he goes and he does preach in Nineveh to all the Ninevites. But Jonah didn't want to go there because the Ninevites, if you research history, are known as some of the most cruel people in history, through the ages, through the centuries. They had perfected human torture. They were beyond ISIS. They were beyond what Hamas has done. In fact, they were making furniture out of human skin. That's how twisted they were. And so when God says, 
That's where I want you to go. I want you to preach to the Ninevites. I can understand why Jonah wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't either. No, God, I don't want to become a coffee table. No, I don't want to become a lazy boy recliner. I don't want to be a couch yet. But yet Jonah finally ended up there. And as he preached, the people of Nineveh heard God's message and said, yeah, that makes sense. We are sinners. We don't want to die in hell. We want to serve God. And so they began to repent. And God forgave them of their sins. They had a little three-day revival right there in Nineveh. And so God changed his mind because the people repented. I don't need to destroy them now because they've turned their hearts toward me. So there are times in Scripture when God does change his mind, but during those times, either intercession has occurred or repentance has occurred. And God uses both of those, intercession and repentance, to bring his people to him. And that's the bottom line. God just wants to bring us to himself. He wants to make sure that we all go to heaven and end up with him. But repentance is necessary for that to happen. And so uh, God has never given a hollow warning, ever. He follows through on what he says he will do. Okay, let's get back to scripture and continue the story and see what happens next. Here we go. Timog's body lay there on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Those who came by and saw Timog's body lying in the road and the lion standing quietly beside it reported it in Bethel where Opog lived. And when Opog had heard what had happened, he exclaimed, It's Timog, it's the prophet who disobeyed the Lord's command. The Lord fulfilled his warning by causing the lion to kill him. And then Opog said to his son, Saddle my donkey, and so they did. And he found Timog's body lying in the road, and the donkey and the lion were still standing there beside it, for the lion had not eaten the body, nor attacked the donkey. So Opog laid the body of Timog upon the donkey and took it back to the city to mourn over it and to bury it. Afterward, Opog said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where... Timog is buried, lay my bones next to his bones. You see, old Opog, this old prophet of God, had deteriorated spiritually so much, but yet he still had a desire to be close to someone spiritual. And so he's asking to be buried next to the man of God. This gives us a little bit more insight into Opog. He must not have been very deep spiritually or he would have known that he could have repented and come back to God. That God would have loved to forgive him and bring him back into alignment with himself. And you would think that he would have known just being next to someone spiritual doesn't make him spiritual. But yet, he's lived in idol worship for so long in the city of Bethel, doing nothing about it. He's ignoring his job, as a, as a, his job description as a prophet of God, not speaking up against it, just accepting it and tolerating it. As we mentioned in the last service, tolerance is not always a good thing. He's become comfortable right in the middle of all this sin. He's deteriorated, and he stopped caring about things of the Lord. I, I need to just pause and ask you, have, have you is, it, is it possible that maybe you've been on a wrong turn or a wrong fork in the road for so long that you've stopped caring about living in radical obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Well, I asked Jesus to forgive my sins. Good, 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 good. But, Susie, I admit I've become tolerant of the sin around me. I've kind of found my comfortable spot, and maybe I do need to get out of my comfort zone and start walking again in radical obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You see, Opog had stopped caring about the things of the Lord. He's so spiritually confused that he unfortunately thinks being buried next to someone spiritual is going to somehow work out in his favor. Let's continue with the scripture. 1 Kings 13, 33. Despite Timog's warning, King Jeroboam did not turn away from his evil ways. Instead, he made more priests from ever, 
more priests than ever from the common people to offer sacrifices to idols and to shrines on the hills. Anyone who wanted to could be a priest. This was a great sin, and it resulted in the destruction of Jeroboam's kingdom and the death of all of his family. Anybody who wanted to could be a priest. Scripture says this was a great sin. Why was this a great sin? Well, because earlier God had told Moses, specifically Moses, no one can be a priest unless they're from the tribe of Levi. Only the Levites have I set apart and called to become a priest. So, unless you had Levi genes, <laughs> you couldn't be a priest. <laughs> I know, I couldn't help it. I just had to throw that in there. Wanted to make sure you were still with me. I'm glad that you are. <laughs> so, this is a great sin. And it's, and, and it's also a tragic ending because it says here... Uh, Jeroboam's kingdom was destroyed and he died and his entire family was destroyed too. What a sad story. It's a bizarre story, isn't it? True prophet of God comes from Judah to Bethel, prophesies, and uh, he's being obedient, heals the king's arm. God has given supernatural healing power. He's got a dynamic ministry. Things are going on. Things are happening. Yay. He has a terrific ministry. But he stops and he rests in the wrong place and for too long. And he listens to somebody and is convinced that somebody who's not living in God's will is. And he gets deterred to their house. He falls. He's spiritually deceived. If a prophet of God in Scripture can be deceived, we can too. I don't want to be deceived spiritually. I want to know the word and so meticulously guard myself and connect myself to God's word that I won't be deceived. It's a sad story here. A tiny little bizarre story tucked inside of 1 Kings 13. Jeroboam's kingdom collapses. Jeroboam and his family are destroyed. Timog loses his ministry and his life and Opog ends up in the same grave. Whoa. What? Well, before we close, let's just wrap all this up. Let's look at something real quick. Timog's major flaw. He did not know a conflicting message to God's word cannot also be from God. Let me repeat it. Timog, the man of God, didn't know that a conflicting message to God's word cannot also be from God. God never contradicts himself. Well, never. Well, yeah, but, um, okay, uh, I can rationalize having this affair. It seems right, it feels right. Or I, can, I can rationalize cheating on my taxes because uh, this company didn't do me right. And they took advantage or the government did this and I shouldn't have had to pay that. I can, I can make this make sense. No, no, no. God's word never contradicts itself. And so wrong will always be wrong. What God has called sin will always be sin and that will never change that's a seriously important thing to remember. In fact, there are a few more seriously important things to remember from this bizarre short little story. So let's look at them right now as we wrap this up. In, important thing number one to remember, God's word is forever settled. Flowers fade, grass withers, but the word of God remains forever. It is eternal. It is unchanging. It doesn't change. It doesn't even shift like a changing shadow. A lot of things do change. History changes, fashion changes, thank goodness. A lot of things you change, your mind, your feelings, hopefully your socks, but there are things that never changed, and those things are God and his word. And so, in our day... If a message from a, let's say, a dream or a vision or prophecy experience, if a message from a testimony, a message from a feeling, a message from the Koran or the Book of Mormon, whatever, contradicts with the Bible, then we must reject it. You see, Timog, the man of God, was very sincere, but he made the mistake of believing the wrong message that he was told was from God. Again, we must be guarded and stick like glue to the message 
of the Bible. Don't let anyone or anything draw you away from God's Word, even if it's someone you deeply love. Because if you do get drawn away, you'll be deceived. And as we've seen, deception can be deadly. You know what? We're battling for eternity here. We are battling for eternity, so be guarded and test everything. 1 John 4, 1 says, don't believe everything you hear, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then Jesus says in Revelation 3, 11, he says, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Hold on to the truth that you've received. Hold on to the relationship you have with me. Seriously important thing to remember, number two, sin will not be tolerated. Whether it's sin from a hard-hearted, backslidden king or a Christian who decides even for a moment to step out of God's will, hey, sin's price is heavy and it's too heavy for us to bear. Its price is always death. Now, T-Mog's life and his ministry were over. Okay, so Susie, what should we do? What should we do? Well, we should examine our actions. Let's go back to Scripture. Why should we, mere humans, complain when we're punished for our sins? Instead, let us test and examine our ways. So let's examine ourselves. Holy Spirit, examine me and see if there's a sin in me that I need to confess and give to you. Seriously important thing to remember, number three, know God's voice and obey it. Timog, the man of God, heard God's voice. He knew God's will, but he let the voice of another trump the voice of God. Let me repeat again. Just because someone speaks God's word, even if that person is a Christian, just because someone speaks God's word, even if that person is a Christian, doesn't mean that that person is living in the smack center of God's will. Be discerning. You remember in the Old Testament, there was a man named Balaam. He said, I am a prophet of the Lord. Really, Balaam? How did you die? He died fighting against God's people and killing God's people. <laughs> well, then how can that be? <laughs> Just because someone says he or she is a Christian does not mean that the words they speak are from God or that they are living in the center of God's will. When God is giving you clear direction and you know the path that you are to walk in, walk in it. Walk in it. We have a slide for that. Can you switch that? When you, God has given you clear direction and you know the path you are to walk in, walk in it. And if you do listen to others, you've got to make absolutely sure that the word you hear only confirms what you already know. You see, again, God doesn't contradict himself. Don't even allow well-meaning Christians to lead you away from God's chosen path for your life. Let me give you a true story, good example of this. Well-meaning Christians can lead us away from God's chosen path for our life. At a church that I used to attend, in a city that I used to live, I'm going to call him Mark. Mark was uh, a husband and a father, an uh, uh, involved member of our church. We served on the church board together. He had a successful construction company. Uh, in high school, his son, I'm going to call him Mitch, these aren't their real names, Mitch, uh, became uh, interested in music, and God really began blessing his musical skills. I mean, he just began to soar. He went to a college and uh, began to uh, pursue that musical dream, and in high school, even shared with those in our church that he felt God was leading him into uh, some kind of ministry. Uh, in college, one of the songs he had written was even picked up by I think it was Promise Keepers or another group close to that, like that. Um, but uh, he decided to marry his high school sweetheart, so by the end of their college graduation, they were engaged. And his father, I'll call him Mark, a member of our church, church board member, said to his son Mitch, hey, if you come home, move back home, uh, I'm, I'm going to turn the construction company over to you. It's already successful, you'll be successful, and I know that you want to get married, and you're going to start having bills in a few years, you're probably going to want to start having children, and so Mitch did that. 
Moved home, took over the construction company. Successful, yes. Custom built their own home. I think it's uh, around 5,000 square feet. They have children. They go to church every Sunday. They love the Lord. Their children love the Lord. But he's not involved in a music ministry. He never picks up a guitar or pulls out the keyboard anymore. And though he's successful in making great money, I've often wanted to pull him aside and say, Hey, Mitch, what about God's call in your life? In high school, you said, God is calling me into ministry. Well, what are you doing? Don't allow a message from even a well-meaning Christian, a board member, a good Christian friend, a small group leader, to lead you on a path that may not be God's path for you. Again, when God has given you clear direction, and you know the path you are to walk in, walk in it. Now, Timog, the man of God, knew for a fact what God had told him. He didn't know a fact for a fact what God had told the old prophet or even if God had spoken to the old prophet. A word from an angel never trumps the word of God, does it? Seriously important thing, number four. God is love. He is forgiveness. He is justice, holiness, judgment, and mercy. God still loved Timog, the man of God, even though he allowed the lion to kill him. Now we've read in scripture that Opog went to get Timog's body and bring it back. And, and the lion was still there, and the donkey stood right next to him, and both of them never left the dead body of Timog until the old prophet came to get it. You see, God still loved Timog. And even though he was disobedient, he faced judgment and death for a sin of disobedience. God still watched over his body and protected it for burial. It had to be the presence of the Lord that kept that lion from devouring what he had killed. And, and for the donkey to stand there with the lion, unafraid of the lion, until the help arrived to take the body away. So here's what I believe. I believe that after seeing how God cared for even the dead body of Timog, that God saved his soul in the end. Because I believe Timog knew God too well not to repent at the last minute. When that lion is coming on him and he's going down, I believed in that last minute that Timog repented. Forgive me. Maybe he only had time to say, forgive. <laughs> or maybe he didn't even have time to verbalize it, but in his heart, he was being repentant. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have died. I know I took the wrong road. I know I did the right thing. I believe that he repented and that God saved his soul at the last minute. God will always forgive a truly repentant heart. The wages of sin is death. How much does it cost to have sin? Well, the price tag is high. It's death. But the good news is, there is forgiveness. We don't have to say, well, I've got sin in my life, so I just have to die. No. There's hope. There's forgiveness. God wants to forgive. God wants to forgive, and he wants to forget your sin. And he will always forgive a truly repentant heart. But, oh, how much was lost. Yes, God forgave, saved his soul, but how much was lost? Seriously important thing number five, this is the last one. Don't sacrifice what God wants to do with your life for temporary pleasure. You see, Timog had known the awesome power and presence of God. He'd been using, he'd, he had been used in bringing signs and wonders out of heaven. He was a true man of God. He was a great prophet. But now his ministry and his life are over. Why? Because of the temporary pleasure of being enticed by Opog, old prophet of God, and eating and drinking with him. How much he had forfeited. Through one act of disobedience. How much more could he have, have done in a lifetime of ministry if only he completely obeyed God? Maybe, maybe he would have had another 50 years of amazing ministry. Maybe he would have ended up in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 where it lists the faith fathers and sisters. Or, or maybe we would have known his name. Maybe in Sunday school or small groups, We'd be getting uh, uh, continuing. Uh, we'd be getting lessons and hearing about the continuing miracles that God was doing through him. But because he's deceived, 
This is all we have. An obscure, bizarre little story about a man with no name. And what about us? Are we walking in the will of God? Are we sticking like glue to the call of God on our lives? Are we walking faithfully before him? Or have we been tricked, deceived, pulled aside by Satan? Has something or someone grabbed your attention, drawn you away from God's perfect path, and enticed you to follow after something that seems a little bit more important? Has God placed a call on your life, but making money, paying the hospital bills, you got the promotion, I'm going to go on, got in the way of preparing for ministry and following that call on your life? Has being deterred from his perfect path possibly led you to a place where you don't even realize how far you've wandered from God's perfect will in your life? We all want to be used by God. But if we're not obedient, he'll find somebody else to do the job. Well, what do we do, Susie? I think we pray. What, what, what does all this mean? It means, Jesus, I really need you and I really want you to be the very center of it all. Of my life, of our church, of everything I do, everything I think. Uh, I, I, what do you need to pray about? What do you need to pray about? We start with, dear God, be the center. Have I gotten off path? Have I been deceived? I mean, have I let somebody who I love and admire, somebody I trusted, maybe just lead me into a wrong turn? Well, I'm a Christian. God has forgiven my sins. Good. So, so are Mark and Mitch. But Mitch, what about the call of God on your life? Were you deceived by a good Christian man, your dad? who served on the board and taught a Sunday school class and was a faithful member of our church. I didn't mean to deceive my son. I just wanted to help him make money and get bills paid and, and have a good foundation and be able to custom design his own home. and be. I, I know, but what about God's plan? Will you stand? Will you stand, please? What do we need to do? Well, we need, we need to search our hearts. And we need to ask God to be the very center of it all. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many would be very honest right now and raise your hand and say, Susie, this message has resonated with me. Yes, I, I'm, I, God has spoken to me through this. Yeah, I, okay, okay, yeah, several of us, yeah. Hands down. How many would want to raise their hand and say, Susie, more than anything, I want Jesus to be the very center of everything. Hands in the air. That's what I want too hands down. And so this morning, I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to be praying for myself. Jesus, will you be the center? I just want to make sure that you're the center of everything in my life. And if you want to pray that with me, yeah, that's what I want too. Uh, and I'm already a Christian. I already know that. But I just want to make sure I want Jesus to be the center of everything, of my life, of my church, of my work, of my thoughts, of my actions. I want him to be the center of everything. Then if you want to join me in that prayer, you just go ahead and come right down here. This is a very safe place to be. This is a very safe place to be. You will not hear God say he's mad at you. You will hear God say, I am madly in love with you. I am madly in love with you. If that's what you want, you come now and join me. And let's pray together, Jesus, be the center of it all. Be the center of my life. Be the center of our church. Be the center, Jesus. Be the center, Lord. Be the center of it all. Thank you, Jesus. We just want you. We want you, 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 and more of you. Be the center. Jesus at the center of it all. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus at the center.
person that knelt today or stood at this altar that are still praying God I pray that you would wrap them in your loving arms of love and care Lord that they would completely understand just how much you love us and how much you care about us and father that we matter so much to uh, to you Lord and I just pray Lord that your Holy Spirit would continue to move in our hearts and lives even as we leave this place today God will you help us to just continue to focus on you this week, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just keep our hearts pliable, Lord, and open to hear your word, even in the nighttime or, Father, at work or in our cars, Lord. Will you just, God, continue to do a new thing in our lives, Father? God, will you begin to make ways in our lives where there was seemed to be no way? And, God, I just pray that this revival would continue to uh, spread, Lord, not only here at Salem Fields Community Church and those that are worshiping online or sitting around the building, Lord, I pray that it would spread out into the highways and the byways into our neighborhoods and our workplaces and on Route 3 and 
God, I just pray that, that your Holy Spirit would move in our community, Lord, through Salem Fields and any other church that, pray, that preaches the word of God. Father, we just pray that you would revive not only our lives and our church, but you would revive our community, Lord, our nation, our world. We so desperately need you, Lord, at the center of it all. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ. You're not a Christian. You've never opened your life to him and you realize maybe today, Lord, that maybe you remember you have realized today that you've sinned and there's sin in your life and you've never confessed that. You've never invited Christ to forgive you and be your savior. I want to invite you today to pray this little prayer with me. It's not much in the prayer, but it's a whole lot in the faith that you pray it with. And so if you if you don't know Christ today and you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins or to be the savior of your life, would you just pray this with me right now, Jesus? Just pray that. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Father, would you please forgive me? Just pray that. And then would you just invite Jesus? Jesus, I invite you into my heart, into my life to be my savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I wanna encourage you right now just to thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And thank you for being my savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want you to just tell somebody today. I want you to just tell somebody. You can tell me, you can tell Susie, tell Gay, just tell somebody, tell your husband, your wife, tell your mom, your dad, somebody that you prayed that prayer and you received Christ today as your Savior. You can go out in the foyer and there'll be a pastor out there, probably catching somebody off guard, but maybe not, that have a band there, that have a little gift for you that they'd like to share with you. If you could stop by that table. Father, thank you for all those that have bowed and received you today. For those who have come, Lord, and have invited you and asked you to be the center of it all. Lord, we just praise you for all that's happened today, Lord. May this revival continue in our hearts this day, throughout this week, this month, this year, and spread from this place to our community and around the world, Jesus. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.